Hey guys, Chris Reed here, back with another episode. Just want to thank you all for all the support on all podcast platforms. Thank you for hitting the subscribe button as well as rating and reviewing. This is a LinkedIn live stream that was previously recorded. We discuss the gaps in the esports space and how we can come together and fill those gaps. Thanks for all your support and hope you enjoy. I've got three different gaps that are pretty interesting in conversation. So I want to start with parents and kids. What do y'all think about the, uh, the, what do you think about the gap between parents and kids? Um, is that, I want to hear your thoughts about that because I think that's the, one of the massive gaps in the industry right now because of the education. So parents just in general, a lot of times think that kids are wasting their time on games. Um, and that gaming is something that's taken them away from school and they see, they don't see a whole lot of value in a future um, being, you know, in scholarships and things like that to kind of help them when they go into college, for example. So what do you all think about the gaps between like the, the knowledge between parents and then what the kids are doing with games? So would love to get your all's thoughts on that. So the gap between parents and kids, um, you know, I have as a parent, so I have a five and a two year old. I have two boys um, for me now, of course, you know, everyone's gonna have different perspectives, I guess, um, with how involved you are in the space. Um, but there's just so much there's so much massive opportunity. What is it? There's like 400 programs in college for kids. Um, you have websites like like NACE Esports and stuff like that that has everything. Um, they go on there and there's just step by step process of how to apply for scholarships. Um you know, how, how do we close that gap of knowledge and, you know, how long do we think it's going to take for us to, to get through that? Right. Alma. Yeah. So, so Alma says I'm a parent working in gaming and esports. Yeah. Right. So now we're the first kind of parents that were gamers. Maybe we're not esports pros, but we were gamers, Right. So now we have a, I think we have a better perspective looking at our kids because we see the opportunity because we understand the opportunity, maybe a little bit more than the generation before us. Right. Because, well, let's just be honest, there wasn't as much opportunity. So for me, I went to my, I went to my first Smash Brothers Melee tournament in 2005, I believe at Game Force. So that's going on, that's going on 15 years ago. You know, it's going on 15 years ago. So Things have changed so much, obviously, since then. And there's, there's just more opportunity. There's more infrastructure that's been put in place. But I still see, and I don't know if you can agree with me or not, I just still see a massive gap between where parents are and where kids are. And there's still a general stigma that games take them away from things that are more valuable. Now, we can go on to this. This isn't necessarily a, this is what you should do as a parent. Like, I'm telling you what to do. Uh, as a mother and father and things like that. I don't want it to go that route. Please let's not do that. But I'm all I'm saying is we have to understand the gap is there and then have conversations around that. So I just love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, Mickey says parents weren't brought up with technology. Kids were, there has never been a larger knowledge gap between generations. Uh, Michael says 1,500 students at that time. Parents have not accepted eSport here yet, but better than other countries. Being a child, not being accepted with their big interest is hard. I believe that we can change the thought culture from Adam. 
I believe we can change the thought culture between parents and kids by having parents being actively involved in the esports industry through esports business education and esports events. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, Adam, what do you think about that? What are some examples of how we can structure events to get the education out there? What do you think? Kind of some follow ups here. Yeah, go back to what Michael said. Michael said being a child, not being accepted with their big interests is hard. It is hard. Um, and there's interesting, there's just interesting conversations and stats around. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think off, offhand, like families say, I think they, you don't have to quote me on this. I wish I had this in front of me. I should have it. But there is, I think like in families, like in a given day, there's like a 50% chance that families are, will have a gaming related, like, altercation, maybe not fight is the right word, but altercation about, you know, coming to the dinner table or the parents wanting the kids to do something, but there's like a 50, 50 shot within a given day that they're going to have a struggle. So there is that stigma again, that gaming kids that are gaming um, is creating chaos, you know, in the house. And it's because of gaming that they're fighting and things like that. So that goes a little bit, this goes pretty deep. Um, Alma says, yeah, that's right. We parents and gamers could see the potential of esports industry in time to come. And all it takes is that perspective, right? Because then you hunt for it. Like we understand, because I mean, again, if we're in the industry, like we understand that there are scholarships out there for it, right? I've actually talked to a few parents and they don't even know those scholarships exist. So why why would they care about gaming if it's not going to bring value in their mind to their kids? Like they're not, they're definitely not going to push them towards, you know, gaming and things like that and going to events and getting connected when they didn't even know on the other side of that. Wow. There are colleges that are giving scholarships. Right. So that's just, I mean, that's part of it is like, there's something on the other side of that. Hey George, what's up? Uh, George says focuses on specializing in esports education development of that. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, for sure. Just reach out. There we go. Thanks, my, hey, Michael. I appreciate that. Uh, so Michael just posted, we made survey <clears throat> among our students last year. 61%. There you go. 61% have quarreled with their parents each week. 14% have quarreled with parents each day. Oh, is it a week? I messed up. Okay. Uh, okay. I really apologize for that. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. I appreciate that. They said the same with TV or kids playing with toys from uh, William. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, right. It, it, right, exactly. No, I see where you're, I see where you're going with that, William. Hey, Lewis, how's it going? But there's there's needs to be involvement on at the parent level, but also the school level, like in the schools, you know, gamifying and bringing the gaming experience to schools. By the way, that's going to happen. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> that's all I gotta. That's all I can really say about that right now. Okay, like that has to happen because not only are you educating, not only is it an experience for the kids that have 
have fun, right? It's not even as much about that um, as it is about bringing the parents in on the experience, bringing the educators in on the experience and getting them all on the same page because that is the foundation that needs to be built up under everything else because that is, obviously kids are the future, right? And that's something that I think a lot of people overlook. I think a lot of people overlook that, um, that, that kids are the future, right? So that's how you build your foundation for years down the road. Now, a lot of people aren't talking about it because, oh, that's a more than a decade away. Or, you know, this, and this gives them a whole other uh, talking point or whatever, but everybody's so short-sighted, you know, what's next quarter like and everything else. Um, but as far as the long-term foundation, it's got to start with education and closing that gap. But going into the schools and having some type of education platform is going to be massive. So any other thoughts on this? Any other thoughts on the gap between parents and kids? And then potentially, I guess, follow-ups on some of these uh, comments. I appreciate it, guys. What, what can be done Again, apologize. Apologize. I have to keep looking down, but that's the only way I get to see comments. With the schools, yeah. And there's already been some. I'm not saying there's been no initiatives. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying at, at scale, um, on a much bigger scale, that that's obviously going to happen. So, which is great because that that is the foundation. Or then another question, I guess, I mean, what, what initiatives, if any, have you seen been done? Again, not just in the U.S., but just ac across the world. Again, this is obviously, guys, this is the entire world. This is not just the U.S. Because uh, I know we'll have some people on here watching the streams that are like literally all in on this space. But then we'll have, we will have some people that are just learning about esports. Okay, so it's very interesting, like how these conversations can go and where a lot of us are coming from. Not everyone watching this, these streams are going to be hardcore gamers or hardcore into esports, Right. But that's the same dichotomy as the main as mainstream. You know what I'm saying? So love hearing what's going on in other countries too. Like I really, really, I love having conversations with people. It's really neat. So Michael says in Denmark, we moved a lot of the, understanding with lectures and a wide effort, both in schools, associations and focus from the media. Yeah. of course, Denmark, Denmark, a hotbed for the space, of course. For those that follow it, uh, two, in 2015, we had only a very few schools with esports. Now it is more than 30% of the schools have esports in their program. Um, I just, just curious, I, I guess at what level, um, at what le middle, high school, collegiate? I'm just, I'm just curious, or is if that's kind of a blanket across the board? That's really interesting, actually. That's what's so cool about all this, too, is that everywhere in the world is different. 
there's hotbed pockets of esports that that country is like literally all in, and then some are like, yeah, what is that? So people are obviously, I mean, the industry is at different levels in different countries. George says there are people all around the globe aiming to try and help with that development. L2EGFAE. These are all different companies, organizations who focus on esports development within schools and helping parents understand. Sure. Sure. And I'm sorry about that. You know, earlier, <clears throat> there's obviously initiatives going on, but as we, I think we all would agree, it's not at the scale that we want, or that not, sorry, not, not just that we want, but that the industry needs. And of course, most of the focus is on tier one teams and valuations and you know what I mean? And that's just, you know, that's the nature of a new, of a new uh, industry thing, a new industry that's being financialized, not a new industry. This is not a brand new industry. But like I, like I mentioned, I went to, I went to a, a Super Smash Bros. Melee tournament at Game Force in, you know, 20, what was that? It was 2005, almost 15 years ago. It's like a sophomore in college. So it's not I me. Mean, obviously, esports is not new. Okay, good old Quake days, twenty years ago. Uh, Michael, special schools, uh, schools of autism students have high success. Also, gymnasium, boarding schools, and public schools, private mostly, but it is getting more attention each day from the government here. And that, and that actually is a whole nother conversation as well. When you talk about regulation and it has really, this has nothing to do with the, the kids, the parents gaps at all. When I, if I get into regulation and all that stuff, um, but just like, yeah, government's getting involved locally, um, state, national level, Matt, what's up, uh, Matthew, what's going on, man. Do you think that the development of esports in certain countries or areas is dependent upon the cost of entry? being that traditional sports have a minimal cost to go outside and play. Yeah. I mean, putting together, you know, a gaming PC is just not feasible, right. For some people. So that's where mobile comes in. So mobile is more feasible. Let's, let's say for example, like in Brazil, why mobile is exploding in Brazil is because of, of that barrier to entry per se. You, you know, they can't, you know, a lot, a lot of situations, they may not be able to spend, I don't know what, two grand on a setup, Whatever, you know what I'm saying? So mobile has really taken by storm, like Free Fire. If you played Free Fire down there, I think Free Fire is one of the biggest mobile games in, in the in Latin America. So that that is it see it takes the form of the economy in which you're talking about, if that makes sense. So that's a great question. William, what's up, man? We are putting together the AAU for the community that will also include education programs. Our focus is to train kids in basic skills. That's really cool. Uh, is that financial literacy as well? I'm just curious. Uh, is it? I just wonder what that entails. But when you say basic skills, it sounds like they may include financial literacy, which is massive. And we all know that should be taught a lot more in schools. Don't get me on that topic because we'll be here forever. <laughs> but yeah, let me know. Let me know, William, in the comments. Um, George, oh yeah, that is completely understandable. These companies and organizations need help within scaling that to institutions as well as institutions accepting it. 
Yeah. And again, it's just a process. It's a process, but the conversation has to start. It starts with the conversation and, um, in the education too. And I really, I really can make another gap here. Um, but you can even just say like, you know, the esports industry to, um, you know, leaders of universities, educators, that's a, that's an important gap as well. It kind of goes along a little bit with parents, but it's kind of really, you're just making that generational gap and that's more on a bigger scale for sure. Uh, Matthew said, yeah, mobile has grown tremendously. Uh, Lewis, so when I was in school, there was a really bad uh, demeanor surrounding gaming and esports because it distracts kids from core subjects, such as English and math. Looking at this from a grown-up perspective now, there was so much time lost on subjects, which I can honestly say I never used. Take history, religious studies, for example. Schools need to be asking children what they would like to learn rather than following a strict curriculum. Build their skills up in core real world subjects and begin to introduce those skills in the sense of business work, business and work. A lot of children have a fantastic skill set. Take all the Gen Z video editors and graphics designers, merge these, <clears throat> merge those generic skills with real world application and you will have a real schooling experience. Yeah. Schooling has to change. That's just my opinion and people can disagree with me or not. And that's, and that's fine, but there needs to be a shift. Thanks for posting that, Lewis. Uh, Adam, the Africa Esports Championship has a Kenyan National League. Entire countries are getting behind esports at the grassroots level and highest level with national government collaboration. Kenya is the official host country for the Africa Esports Championships events in 2019. The World Esports Consortium officially endorsed the Africa Esports Championships in 2018 and 2019. And again, we talked about the foundation. Obviously, grassroots is part of that foundation. Um, and building that from the ground up has more sustainability. You know, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like there's not enough attention at the bottom and the grassroots and the foundation of things versus just just throwing, 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 and everybody flipping, you know, teams at the top and what's going on right now. With that and team valuations and everything. Yeah, this is a good conversation. This is a really good conversation. We can go on and on for a long time about this, but so gap between parents, uh, parents and kids. And then that goes along with like educators as well. And obviously that there's initiatives out there that are, that'll be closing the gap. And we're going to see a lot more of that 2020 is with everything we say, it seems like, but 2020 is going to be uh, really important. All right, let's go next. Let's go esports. Let's go. Uh, sorry, investors to startups. Kind of a little bit of a little bit of a shift. Um, again, I, this is just something that th this just comes to mind for me of things that you know conversations I'm having. Um, parents to kids education. Um, that was number one, and then the second one's going to be the gap between investors and startups. Love to get your all's initial thoughts on this, or so just start start posting uh, questions your experience on either side of this as an investor or as a startup. I know we, this, this conversation could last a long time and it's so many dynamics to this, but how does the gap close? What, I don't know, what have you seen on either side? 
just love to get your all's feedback on this. There is some interesting ways and, and interesting points that we could go over with this. And I intentionally, I mean, I have my thoughts, but I'm more concerned with what you guys want to bring to the table to the stream when we talk about things. So jump into chat, like, let me know what you think about this, some, some, some talking points, and then also some follow-ups behind it as well. Uh, so on the last point, Michael says, we have developed a diploma here with OCN in order to focus on what skills you learn from eSport. It's already posted in three countries. We are sure it can bring a lot to eSport being more accepted by parents with getting the skills being visualized. And it, right, it's the it's delivering the message in a way that they understand it, versus you know it's like anything like oh this works like this, well no like take me through the experience like walk me through the process show me some data um, that's with anything it's funny it's fun that's funny it's pretty much what we're talking about here as an investor you can't just you know throw a deck at someone and then expect something to happen <laughs> right. I think a lot of people on both sides can resonate with that. Just, it's really the same thing as well, Michael. It's really good. So Thirsty Minds, I have been fortunate to have gained a contract with a school district, and I have been getting some good response from teachers and admin about how the kids are changing their mindset concerning games. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, how they look at games, how they see, you know, how they see their future in gaming and how that there's opportunities. It's not just a one-off, I'm going to go play games. It is a skill set that they're trying to improve, right? So similar to traditional sports, been a wrestling coach for almost 14 years. Okay. Right. It, tell me the difference. Tell me the difference. There is no difference. You're building that skill set. Really good. That's good stuff. Uh, William, yes, it will include financial teaching on contracts as well. Okay, from earlier. So that the initiative you talked about earlier. Okay, that's really good for financial literacy. That's important. Uh, let's start with esports. Startup companies need to know that they have to be functional companies, not just asking for money. Thank you very much. William gets the gets a check mark. I'm actually going to get a stream deck and start doing like check marks. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's number one, right? Just cause you have an idea doesn't mean you deserve anything. And that's not, you know, people aren't going to like me, anyone saying that. And I apologize. Um, but somebody may needed to hear that. Um, you know, we are in a, look, we're in a money raising low interest rate inflated environment. And I, you know, no one's gonna. No one can argue that. I don't really care who you are. Um, you really can't argue that. Um, Two thousand eight happened. A recession has happened before, <laughs> many times over the last few decades. But everyone forgets. Um, you know, and that. But that's just. It's just where we're at. It's just where we're at right now. And you can grow something organically. You can grow something organically. It is possible. Um, doesn't mean funding is bad. I'm not saying it's bad. So. Somebody's going. Somebody will probably clip this and run with it, and I'm, I'm you know, that's what's interesting. Like, I don't care, um, but you can run with it. Um, as far as saying that funding's absolutely needed with everything, and you can't start something organically, but you really can. And you know, investment coming in at the right time can obviously put gasoline on the fire. It's important. I'm not saying it's important, um, but there's like this entitlement 
type thing. Like here's a deck, here's a paper. All right. It just because of this, there's a, it's a five million valuation. It, it's just really, that's, that's not how it always has been. Um, and it's going to get cleaned out. Okay. There's, there's going to be a reckoning on that. So it's going to be, it's just, it's just what needs to happen. Um, and as an investor on the investor side, you just have to, again, I've said this a number of times, it's about people. It's about people in the end. Uh, decks are great what, you know, for conveying information, but you don't invest in a deck. You, you invest in people. You invest in their upside. As you invest in human beings' upside and their ability to pivot and the company's ability to pivot, the team's ability to change directions because you're having to change, especially in this space, constantly. You know, the plan on this particular situation is going to change next week, probably. So how can the humans running the business change? Uh, we talked about on the live stream last week about being a speedboat, not the Titanic. You know, what is your speed rate? When something's not working, how quick can you change? Um, and that starts with the human beings that's running the, the company. So, and, you know, I've, I've gotten questions like, you know, how do how do startups get money? Things like that. So here's here's what I said. Someone asked that uh, earlier on a comment, I think a couple of days ago. But it, it's about you. I mean, it's about your message. And we talked about this in a couple of live streams. But you know, you got to get your message out. Again, it doesn't even matter how amazing your platform or product is. If no one knows about it, you lose. I think people will resonate with that. You're going to not win if people don't know about what you're doing. So it's about mission and message to get that out to people. So how do you do that? Well, it's content. So really content, you should be leading with your content. Here's the issue is that people look at content as a fourth, fifth, sixth line item. Like, oh yeah, we've got a page. Oh yeah, we do this. It should be number one. Because that is your footprint. That is who you are digitally. And, and I mean, that is who you are just total, right? But you have to get the word out there about it. It really doesn't matter what you're doing. You've got to get the message out. But making, you know, 30, 40 posts a day, um, that's not easy, right? That's not an easy thing to do. So kind of what are your love to hear some more thoughts on that. So let's get some of these. Let's get a couple comments. But yeah, William, I, I resonate with that a lot, man. Go through a lot of conversations. Funk, yeah, functional companies and not just an idea. Yeah, revenue would be nice, right? <laughs> I'm sorry to kind of laugh, but like revenue would be nice, right? So I'm with you. Um Yeah, Questy's talking about um, eSport education for kids. Very cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Matthew, exactly. If nobody knows what you're doing, you will lose. Social media is free. Content is free. You can pay for advertising for or a website, but social media is a free tool. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's free. I don't know what else to say about that. It's free. You can Google anything, right? And walk you through that process. Maybe not every little detail, but you can get a pretty decent framework as to what you need to do organically 
on the organic side. It's just the fact that the content is always put down to the fourth or fifth line item and not to the top. That's the problem. That is the problem. Any other thoughts on this? So the gap between where investors are and where startups are, I guess the other way to take this conversation is it's very, you know, I have a lot of conversations with companies and, and other in financial professionals. And what I see is just, again, so we talked about the education gap. There's the same type of education gap between investors and startups. Now, look, not everyone, I'm not saying every investor has no clue about esports and stuff. Please don't take it the wrong way. I, I'm talking on a big umbrella. Okay. A lot of the investable money that's potential that potentially could be going into esports doesn't understand it. That's my global point. And I don't and again, if you if you don't agree, that's okay. Throw it in the comments if you don't agree with that global statement. And pe some people think like the esports space right now is massive and one billion this or whatever. You know, it's tiny. This industry is nothing. <laughs> and I'm not talking bad about it. I'm actually saying it because there's so much upside. Now, it doesn't mean people aren't going to lose millions on the wrong idea, concept too early, blah, blah, blah. That's obviously going to happen. That happens in any industry. But that's, but that's my point. There's just this, there is a massive gap with the money available to invest in the space because people have a hard time investing in something they don't understand. And everyone will resonate with this, so it's easy to say this. So Warren Buffett missed out on you know, like a Netflix in, in 2010 going in an Amazon back then, or Apple, of course, you know, later on down the road, but he missed out early because he didn't understand. He doesn't, he's done. Okay. <laughs> he's done. Okay. He'll be all right. Does it make sense? So again, what does that mean? It's the education portion is the education portion. And we're getting, it's funny, you know, we get to do, these different dynamics. So there's just kind of the financial world and the esports world. We're kind of, it's like fighting a little bit, you know, fighting back and forth. And then eventually you're accepted after the fighting, right? I'm not even sure what stage we're in. There's those four stages. I can't even think off the top of my head. Um, I don't even know what stage we're in, to be honest. I don't think anybody really knows. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you, man. Great discussions across the board. Appreciate that, man. So that's the, I mean, that's the overall gap between investors and startups. And then you can talk about valuations. You know, obviously you have a startup, um, you know, you have to come to an agreement with, with, with the investor, uh, whether it's an individual VC or a VC or an angel or whatever. Um, and those conversations are always interesting. Um, you know, and there's that, there's just a middle ground there, but and the, the, one of the things I would also say about on the on the investor side is for well I guess it's on both sides I guess but so for startups it's just there's it's just really valuable to have someone that is both it's not just just about money it's it's obviously money money and knowledge about building a startup 
what I have found very interesting, and again, not all, please don't get upset, but there, the, I would, I would say the, you know, the, the overall business acumen across the board, across every single startup that's out there, um, it's not at a, at a mature at a, at a high. It's not really at a high level now. The reason why is it's a new industry. You know, it's a fairly new industry as far as financialization. So you know, connecting that and making sure that it's not just an idea that your groups, uh, your team of advisors, been part of startups before, but then also understand the esports space. So what I'm saying is, it's not just just money is not always the end. Money isn't always the answer, and it doesn't solve everyone's problems. It doesn't solve your problems to get an angel. It doesn't. It doesn't solve your problem to finish that round. It really doesn't. Actually, you could argue it creates new issues. So that perspective actually is really important, I think, to kind of just keep in mind. Yeah. So any other thoughts before we move on, but that's, you know, just talking about the gap between, between the two there. Uh, William, some evaluations are slanted as well because lack of knowledge as well. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's fair. Yeah. No one's, for sure. No one's mad at anyone. Um, you know, a lot of some, some situations where someone's never run a company before. Right. But they have the, they have the knowledge in that, that specific niche in this, in the esports space. So like say a concept, let's say, I don't know, like a, a VR AR concept um, or like a hybrid of one of those two. So, uh, you know, phenomenal development side, but maybe not on the, the business development side. Right. Or the, the branding content side. Right. And, and you're having to pull from different directions. So that's that is where, you know, partnerships, advisory board members, that's where those value can that, that value can come into play. Right. So, yeah, type in your most type in the most important aspect between this gap. It'd be really interesting to see what you guys have to say. So for Michael, most important thing in any business, no matter what the industry is about. His profile. If you don't have a clear and good profile, you will not earn money. You will not achieve anything. We started with zero money. Investment would have helped, yes, but we are now good. Up and going with 80 plus employees, 17 on full time. Yeah, so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate sharing that. Having someone invest in your company is not bad. No one's saying that is bad. It's not that it's just that it's not the only path to success. I think that's really I think that's key. It's really good. Appreciate you sharing that. Everyone's path is going to be different. And I think there was a, I think I mentioned something a while back, but you know, you, uh, you miss a round or something or like the rounds not getting, um, you know, you didn't get your round in time or, you know, where you expected it to, as far as time, you know, time's concerned, you know, you can't get down on yourself because you know, you, you, you tied your identity into getting that investment at that particular time. And that's just, you know, um, you just have to be aware of that. That is not the end all be all. 
and not get the identity of the business tied up into getting that particular investment, that dollar amount before a certain time. Uh, Cal, hey man, what's up? Um, the age gap to make esports an easier entryway for more people to understand what's going on in a match seems huge. The age, okay, gotcha. All right, so kind of the knowledge gap of what is even going on in the games, gotcha. So yeah, that can go into like commentating and things like that. A, a good, obviously, a good commentating team can make a big difference in broadcast and things like that. But you have to, as, again, as a startup, you have to have a platform, what, whatever, somehow to get your word out. Right? Everyone agrees with that. Whether you build it yourself through branding and marketing yourself as to what your mission is and what you're doing. Because just throwing product up against the wall doesn't work long term. And even if, look, I mean, it, I guess potentially if the right person sees it, um, and frames it in their own way and sees the potential. That's, I guess, you know, that'll happen. That can happen, obviously, but branding yourself in such a way that you want to convey yourself is much more, I don't know. It's just, there's just more value in doing it that way. Uh, so William says the number one thing for me is people are playing the short game. Yeah. And, could definitely take that a lot of different directions, but I mentioned, I kind of mentioned earlier, like flipping and scalping, like there's a lot of just changing hands, right. And valuations and oh, it's just valuations higher, valuations higher, valuations higher. And just flipping. We talked about that last week. Um, and of course that's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's at, and it's, it's at the top as well. Uh, I think many investors are afraid of esports because they don't understand it fully. hundred percent. It's from Michael. It has been an underground hobby that now has more accept, acceptance and therefore also more interest from wide population. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair summation. Right. So what's what's the difference between esports and let's just say social media? Say social media. In let's say 2006, 2007, and I think it's a pretty good comparison if you kind of look at it in the feel. Um, it was underground, right? I mean, that was just a couple of years after you know MySpace was massive. I think like 2000, it started its decline around that range, right? But MySpace was like huge. So you, would, I think most of consider MySpace was underground. Um, what did you say, Michael? Uh, underground hobby. Yeah, but that iteration, MySpace was an iteration before like social media 2.0, let's say. Let's say MySpace is 1.0 and there's 2.0. But again, right? But the ones that understood the potential of it, right? 100X, 200X, whatever. 500X plus. And Uber was more than that, but... You know what I'm saying? These and that, and that really was a social play too. I don't want to get into that right now. Um, but that's you know what I'm saying. But that's being early on that transition. It's a good point though. See, having the players and everyone involved creating content is what makes 
what makes it an easier way to get the organization's view out. Instead of having a whole team on every platform, they can have a few people on one at a time. Yeah, but you're saying leading with content. Having the players and everyone involved creating content is what makes it an easier way to get the organization's views out. Yeah, go look at FaZe Clan. I know we talk about it a lot, but go look what they did. They weren't even in gaming and esports initially. They made content. And I think it's safe to say that they've been pretty successful. There's your, you know, there's your tangible example. So that's another gap. Investors to startups um, and then just for startups being able to bridge that gap um, by content, you know, so, so that's the gap and they're having to do that. And I can't write, but content. So we go next. Uh, Esports gaps. We've talked a little bit about this. Um, it's really, it's gets this, <clears throat> this one's really interesting. Um, organizations slash athletes in the gap between them and financial services. So like CPA, uh, tax planning, and I can't write, of course, but <clears throat> for example, that's just an example right there. So with the financialization of an industry, you know, a lot, a lot of, organizations and individual individuals are going to make a ton of mistakes. And one of the things is on taxes. Um, I am not a CPA. I'm not claiming to be one either. Um, but this is where people can get into obviously a ton of trouble on a number of different fronts. Every country is different. Um, you have a team that competes in another country with players that are from other countries. And you're talking about, that's a mess. Like that is a mess as far as regulations are concerned and making sure you do the taxes right. But it's, it is shocking to me that this is not talked about more, but again, it's because we're in the first phases of the financialization of the industry, which is okay. No one's mad about it. Um, this has to happen. I mean, if you're not following regulations and paying correct taxes, um, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I mean, I don't always say that. I know it's boring, but, um, you know, and there are, you know, and there are companies getting into this. There's, there's massive, massive, what I've seen, there's massive firms that are finally starting esports divisions. So I've had a few conversations and, um, you know, they're, they're building out actual divisions for esports. And it's out there. It's not brand new. I'm not saying that it happened yesterday, um, but it's, you know, finally really starting to turn because it's needed. Um, and people can get into a ton of trouble and not really know what to do. Uh, so Adam made a point earlier, and because we're on delay a little bit, um, on last point, esports industry specifically needs business-minded creatives, but creative professionals don't always need millions of dollars to grow and scale the business. Investors who want to see a 20,000 next return investment know that they need long-term esports venture, not a short-term problem esports business. Yep. Like that. <laughs> Chris, yeah. Uh, and I don't, man, I don't have the link. Um, Chris had an awesome blog post that I think everyone needs to read. 
just for passion. I mean, this is my passion coming out about this, man. Like financing my blood. Like you, if you mess this up, I don't care who you are. I don't care what organization you are. I do not care. If you mess this up, you mess up your taxes, you're done potentially forever. So how is this not at the top of conversations of what needs to happen? And maybe I'm maybe I'm just making all this up. You can call me out, and I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. I am honestly. But if 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 this gets messed up, and what organizations are doing on the on the individual level, and it can easily be done. Not all of us are running around our CPAs. That's just not the, that's just not the case. And I, in the in the, in the in the article, Chris wrote. You know, you're grinding as as a content creator. Um, you know, you're grinding. You're you. There's no way that you can be the top of your game as. And so let's just say, let's say an esports athlete, like say a Dota two professional, um, playing the Invitational, and in the, the stress level and the time that you're putting into that to compete at the Invitational, and being and maybe they're a con, and they're also making content as well. So that whole thing going on there, and then you have all this going in the background with taxes and i mean talking about i mean all the different streams you know all the different ways to make an income as an organization and a streamer is great like that's great stuff but you got to pay taxes on that right you have to be able to document what's happening and i know this is a basic conversation but guys this this is not talked about enough it doesn't matter how much success you have it can be ruined I mean, how many how many companies have have went under or gotten in trouble because of taxes and because of regulations and on the individual level level as well? And this is going to be no different. Regulation is coming. Um, and look, when you say regulation, it's getting into like the gambling side of this and all that, which that's another. We can talk about that later if you want. Um, but this is just important to bring up um, and surrounding yourself with people that know what they're doing in that space. So Michael would, Michael says esports, in my opinion, have a much better way to involve activate sponsorships, which makes the sports much more interesting for sponsors. What makes you active? Activate a sponsorship? Do you go home and buy a pizza from Domino's, seeing a billboard, or do you buy seeing it being one click away online? With the development with business going online, it is very interesting. Do you think this will help esport for the future? to compete with other sports, for organizations. And I, and I know this is a, it won't be a popular answer for me to say this, but it's going to be the education on what do I get when I give you money to sponsor? And I made another post. Um, Nielsen Esports has a phenomenal um, report out. It's I think, I think that reports like 20 something pages. And one of it breaks down as a sponsor, it's like six or seven things, like what you get or what you potentially could do. Um, so for example, you could sponsor, so I can sponsor a tournament, say I sponsor a smash tournament. I can put my logos on the live stream in the corners. I can uh, give a controller away, Like there's very, there's, it's really cool because you can be creative as a sponsor, right? If that makes sense based on what would be more impactful. Yeah. Any more thoughts on the gap between organizations, teams, athletes, and then, and then financial services. The other thing is, you know, I guess more so than because it's maturing. 2019 saw more of what I saw as far as um, retirement planning 
and, and just planning finances in general. There's more, there is more conversation going on about that, which is really important. Um, just for sustainability, again, there's team level, but then individual level. If your individuals aren't taking care of their money, do you, if, if they're stressed, this is like any other athlete, if they're stressed about their money and their livelihood, do you think they're going to perform at a high level? No. The answer is no. So the team should have those in place, processes in place to take that stress level and that load off of them. Just for the, the stress level alone, not even if they get in trouble and they get ripped off the team because, you know, they get in, they have issues. Uh, Chris says some soccer teams in Brazil. Uh, I'm assuming it says hate investing in esports. Like Flamingo, Corinthians, I think some investors are afraid because they don't have any knowledge regarding the real numbers behind esports. I'm trying to get that link. I have to jump off chat for a second, try to get that link uh, to Chris's article because it's really, really good. It's really good for sure. Um, uh, sorry, guys. I, it's hard to see chat. I really apologize. Cal says live streaming, in my opinion, might hinder certain players' performance since streamers sometimes are inclined to not solely focus on their gameplay, but also viewers and clients. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, live streaming, um, it's multitasking. It's the it's the most it's the <laughs> it's a very hard thing to do. It's a very hard thing to do, in my experience on on a number of platforms. And there I can't say definitively you can't, but it is almost impossible to be at your highest level on all of those things. Like you were saying, the customer service, like you're having to pull from one thing or the other. So, yeah, no, I mean, I agree that it, it hinders. It has to, to a certain extent. Uh, oh, Adam, did you post that? Oh, thanks. Thanks, guys. Or thanks, Adam, for posting that. Uh, that was an article that, that Chris wrote. Appreciate you, man. It makes it so much easier. Once once this is up and I'm able to post, um, it's going to make things a lot easier. But just I can't even post anything on the desktop version. So I appreciate you, man. Uh, let me make sure I didn't miss anything. This is really good, guys. Like I, I just love the conversations um, and the organicness of what we're doing. And what's really cool is just different live streams have different feels and stuff. And you know, this one's going to have a different feel than others and things like that. But um, I just hope we can share. Um, you know, we share our thoughts with each other and then get just get some feedback. It's really neat. So let's see. Uh, Matthew's talking about live streaming. In addition to live streaming being distracting, in some games, players have their viewers try to intentionally sabotage your gameplay via stream sniping. Yeah, I know. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's not the most um, – yeah, there, it, <clears throat> the efficiency of practice. I mean, it's like being distracted in, in, you know, in a traditional sports app for those that maybe not have – maybe seen an esports team practice or I've seen it, you know, on YouTube or whatever, or, you know, looking at VODs and things like that. But I mean, it's just like any other distraction with any other traditional sports team or whatnot. It's the same. It's the exact same thing. There is no difference.
Okay, overall thoughts. That's really those are the three I had. So um, I tried something different today. We I, I pulled out the blackboard. This is a little virtual blackboard. We, uh, I, by the way, I'd love to get your all thoughts on on this blackboard. Um, it is kind of difficult to write, unfortunately. So the legibility is is not good. I could have had some better images so I can work on that as well. Um, but trying to bring a different, little bit different feel to this to the live stream from last week and um, planning on doing a few more throughout the rest of the week. So any, I just want to mention this, any feedback you have for the stream, I'd really appreciate it. Um, again, this is LinkedIn live beta. So we're all, it's all pretty new to, to everyone involved, but we'd love to get your all's feedback as to how it can be better. Um, and, and actually I can send, I think I can send uh, feedback to them as well to kind of give them just at a, on a, bigger scale how LinkedIn live could be better. So for, so Chris says for me and what I do, it is supporting the industry the best way I can players who are supported with financial planning to help them grow and be protected. These guys will grow into future owners of organizations and beyond. They need to be supported now to ensure they do not fall foul of bad tax planning and are given poor investment advice. I don't want to beat the, you know, I don't want to beat the drum of the whole story. You know, you guys know the stories of professional athletes and bankruptcies within five years. I really, you know, I don't want to throw all that out again, but I think we understand, I think we understand the severity of, you know, especially that transition out of being a pro, you know, and the lifestyle change and things like that. There's just so many nuances that, you know, it really hurts professional athletes. Hey Chris, what's up? Um, yeah, we're just, really this is open now, so just kind of, I guess officially say this um, for those that maybe just jumped in. Um, but we've went over a couple of gaps in the esports space. Just been open discussion today. Um, and if you, whatever guys, whatever you guys want to discuss as we go through the comments, I'd love to just kind of pull what you guys want to talk about. But if you just joined recently, uh, we started with the gaps between parents and kids and the education needed uh, in order to educate parents um, as well as educators. And how that will help the space overall. We also talked about the gap between investors and startups and how startups really, number one, need to develop content so that investors understand what they're doing and also create a relationship. You create relationships with content. You know, a deck is a deck that you send, you send someone, right, of a presentation. A presentation is the same from everyone. But if you have that content that, pushes it past the rest of them. It makes you stand out, number one, and you have to stand out and you are creating a relationship with potential investors. And the other thing we mentioned is that not every project at every stage needs money, needs, sorry, needs an investment from a VC or an angel. And then the other one we talked about was organize, the gap between organizations and financial services. Uh, specifically, we kind of talk about CPAs and um, you know CPA, financial planning um, that, that comes into play. Hey, Adam, the visualization of the topics is very helpful with the blackboard. I appreciate it when I can see the topics of discussion in order to take notes for future reference. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like this one. I just it's hard to write real time um, either that or I need someone to train me on how to write better and legibly. Um, yeah, I appreciate the feedback. Uh, Cal, great job on interacting with the viewers so much. Interesting to see a podcast style mixed with live stream 
on LinkedIn with an audience rather than one or two guests. Yeah, it's a mix for sure. So we had we had a uh, uh, Connor Alney on last week from TikTok. If you haven't watched that, go check it out. Uh, it's in the it's in my feed and also um, it, it's a podcast version and on YouTube. It's we're level up experience across everything, across all platforms. Um, all right, Chris, what's up? I see the government in most of the countries charge too much tax from money abroad. Why don't they facilitate foreigner investments aside, make it harder? Investors from outside can help the economy as well. Finding local investors is not easy when you have no connections in the country that you want to invest. <laughs> yeah, and again, I, I am not a CPA. I've said that before, uh, but I will say you start, look, you start dealing with country to country stuff and uh, residency here and you live there, but you went to a tournament, you made this there and you come back and there's just, there's so many variables. Like it, it really is overwhelming. It really is overwhelming. And then filing F bars and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it really is 88, 79s. And I mean, it's just, it's really insane. Uh, there's so much stuff you have to take into account for. Um, Currency risk. So really good feedback. I just want to say thank you guys for all the comments because really, I, especially these, especially the ones where we don't have guests, um, it's really going to come down to comments in the in in the section. So I mean, or in the um, chat box. Because I want, I mean, I want to try to provide a framework of what we're talking about, but I really just enjoy feeding off the comments. So I do appreciate you guys. It does mean a lot when you guys are posting. Yeah, I know some are on mobile and it's it's definitely difficult. So I do appreciate you taking the time to do that. Probably gonna give probably gonna give a five minute warning. So five minute warning. Five more minutes. Uh, if you want to connect, if you have a message you want to send me, feel free to do so. I'll, I'll try to go through those uh, as quickly as I can and get back to you. I really do appreciate that. But thank you all so much for sharing and liking and reacting. The curious reaction. That's a, I mean, all those are really funny on here. Um, really do appreciate that. LinkedIn Live is a lot of fun. Like I think, I mean, I just, I just really enjoy doing doing this. And, um, and I'm, again, planning on... I'm planning on, uh, we'll have our interview set once a week. Um, I do not have that schedule out, um, but I do want to have that set up to where we see every week about three or four weeks out the guests that we're going to have. So we've got some, I've got some really good guests coming on in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So it's typically going to be once a week. Uh, we'll bring on a guest within the esports space and have a discussion of kind of, you know, what they do, where they came from and um, kind of what business they're involved in. And I just love learning. Uh, from different people coming on as well. So yeah, we'll field a couple questions as we go along here. As we wrap it up, Taz, what's going on? Uh, do you think the different levels of esports maturity across the world impacts your topics? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, and we so we kind of touched base on like Brazil and mobile gaming. You know, like that's got that's a feel like mobile gaming's exploding because of um, not everyone has the accessibility to have a PC and build, have a build out and things like that. Um, so when you have comp, when you have topics, it is it, 
it is kind of derived around and built around a certain part of the world, right? So, and again, if there's a topic you guys want to discuss, feel free to send me. Please send, uh, send me some feedback. We'd really appreciate that because uh, it's all about really what I want to try to do is to talk about things that everybody wants to talk about, really. I mean, just the feedback from you all. So versus just, okay, here's 99 things we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about anything else. Uh, it's really about the community and like what collectively we want to discuss and put our, th our thoughts out there and go from there. Evan, what's up, man? What's up, dude? How's it going? Appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Cal, the parents and kids topic is a difficult one just because some parents feel entitled with their kids to do what they feel is better. Uh, parents have given me slack working in a bank and also with doing what I love now in a creative industry. Just have to accept you don't have to love what someone else loves to do as a career. Yeah, that's, and again, not trying to tell people how to parent. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to step into that role. Um, but, you know, listening, I think listening more. Um, and that's really, that's in business too, though. But just, I guess just most of it's just listening more, um, understanding the surroundings, understanding how things are changing and, you know, having, having real conversations with your kids about what, what they're doing. And um, I don't know, I mean, what about hanging out with your kids and actually playing games with them and versus it being, okay, the kids go play games. I don't want nothing to do with that. I think it's a waste of time. What if the mind shift was I'm going to go spend time and see what they're doing and, and play with them. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just a conversation that I think a lot of us can have and, um, and spend quality time with the kids. I love, I mean, I love, so I'm a five-year-old and I mean, I'm a gamer. So, <laughs> I love the fact that he's in the games and you know, he, he likes mobile games. Um, so to be on there and like, he, he likes puzzles and, and stuff like that as well. So it's, it's just really cool to just jump on the phone with him and, and be able to do that and spend time with him Cause I mean, I love gaming. So I think it's a great dynamic. Like we were gamers growing up, right. First real generation. So now we get to play games with our kids. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority or whatever, but I think it's awesome. So, Hey Kim, what's up? They can from New York. What's up, brother? Uh, Chris says working in working with e sorry ECV. He focused on parent athlete relation relationship as much as training to become a better pro as well. I wonder how investor companies take this into account. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> again, go back to the under, the understanding thing. Some people might hear that and they say, "Okay, that's nothing." You know, I'm not. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of there's some pushback, but that's that's such a big deal. That's such a massive deal. That's so important. It is. You need to have the support from the start. Like, again, here's the thing. Here's one of the things I will say, being in the space that that is going to give me an advantage for my kids and give you an advantage for your kids, uh, potentially if you have kids, is if you know the space that well, you're just that far ahead. Like, you know where to go for scholarships. For Okay, so for example, if, you know, some people don't know about the FAFSA, the financial aid form, basically, they have to fill out. Some people don't know that exists. If you don't know FAFSA exists, you won't do the form. If you don't do the form, then you're going to miss out on potential grants for your kids, right? As an example, so many kids miss out because the FAFSA isn't filled out. And I'm not... And, and, let me back up a second. 
school is not the answer for everyone. And I can be on here forever talking about that, but you know, we're limited time. But if you don't know about the FAFSA form, then you don't fill it out. So then your kids may miss out on opportunities. So it's the same thing here. If you don't know about the scholarship opportunities in esports with the programs popping up, then you're not going to pursue that. But as a parent that's a gamer that's in the esports space and I'm educating myself, the education I'm getting and learning every day is going to benefit my kids if they get into that space. And in 14, 17 years with my two kids, you think this space is going to be pretty big? Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the easiest question all day, right? No question. It's not even a question. It, that's a blanket statement, right? So getting educated early and getting them involved in the initiatives now and the little leagues, like little, you know, there's little leagues popping up now with these sports. And as a coach of traditional sports, stuff like that, if you've had that background for years or something, it's really, again, there's, it's no different. All that infrastructure is going to be built in place, like little league baseball. There's going to be little league esports. It's really cool. Uh, Michael, thanks for your interesting discussion, Chris. If you want to discuss more about parents and gamer children's subject, feel free to write anytime. Appreciate, yeah, I really appreciate um, your all's contributions. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Cal, yeah, being aware of your own goals and keeping an open mind can work together with anything, including parenting, in my opinion. That's good to hear. Appreciate it. Hey, Jacob, what's up, man? What's going on? All right, so we're winding down. Um, we're up to up to around 50 people right now. It's really cool. This is a lot of fun. So I, I really I value your feedback um, as to what we talk about and how we can make the stream better. I'm always, I mean, I'm just always trying to make this a little bit better, a little bit different. Um, we tried a visual today with the Blackboard. So I'm looking to kind of add different things because you can also go uh, with a different with a different overlay and pull up websites and things like that too. So it's going to be really cool and, and really fun to, to go through all this stuff together. So uh, I appreciate you guys hanging out. If you haven't connected with me, uh, send me a message um, and would be happy to talk to you guys and kind of go from there. Uh, also, I just as a, as we're talking about connections, uh, something I've started, started to do, I don't know if anybody else does this. I'm just curious as we kind of head out of here. Um, actually with connections, if you find someone to connect with, is anyone sending the voice message instead of like an actual written message? Is anybody else doing the voice message? And it's on the right hand side. Like when you're typing a message to someone, it's on the right, it's on the right hand side and you just hold it down. You hold down the microphone button. Is anybody else doing that? Um, I'm, I'm starting to do that and it, I really like it. Number one, it's quicker. It saves time. Unless you're doing the voice to text and then send a text. I mean, it's obviously about the same. Um, I'm just curious if anybody's doing that. I think it's really interesting um, because you can be a lot more personalized versus just sending a text form. So I just had, this is kind of my last question and then we're going to head out. So um, are you all sending connection requests with the, the voice version, the voice memo? Or am I the, <laughs> or am I the only one? So we'll see. Uh, but again, thank, thanks again for hanging out. Um, And of course, the, de the, the delay is pretty bad. So I kind of have to wait to see what we have to say. So LinkedIn beta has been, a, LinkedIn live beta has been really cool. It's been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed it. And again, I, I appreciate you guys and all the support. So we'll, we'll see if we get any, see if we get any takers on that question. But, hey, Jacqueline, how's it going? 
Oh, Cal. Cal says, I've only sent a voice message after I've connected. Just sent an article that reminded me of that person. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. It's cool. It's kind of, It was kind of sitting there forever, and I never really paid attention to it. It's kind of one of those things. Um, and what's also really cool is I, I'm starting to use – not starting. I've been – I mean, for a while. But, you know, just voice to text and all that. I mean, it, any – I mean, I'm trying to do that constantly. If it's more than about a sentence, I'm not sending, I'm not typing it out. It's one of those things. I think that, I think like one sentence is kind of my threshold of when I would use um, the voice to text. So definitely saves a lot of time, but like you're so used to the old way you forget. So it's interesting. All right, guys. Anyway, got to jump off here. This was a lot of fun. Send me some feedback. Appreciate all the support, the, the likes, shares, and everything else. Any topics you want to discuss, send it my way. And we will go from there. Really appreciate you guys. And we'll see you guys on the next live stream. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm at Chris Reed, C-R-I-S-R-E-E-D. And follow me on TikTok at Level Up Experience.